Thank you for joining us for our Renewal City Church podcast. If you're looking for ways to get involved, join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Roxy Theater in Longview. Or find us online at rcclongview.org. We hope you're blessed and that this message finds you well. It's such an honor to be here. Um, James is a good, good friend. We uh, are spending more and more time together just being friends with each other and walking together. I remember the day he came, he, uh, we were talking at Evangel, and he said, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to plant a church. And I tried to talk him out of it. <laughs> I, I, I remember telling him, uh, you know, there's a, lot of really, there's a lot of churches in town that are hurting and broken, and why don't you just take one of those churches and restore it? And he goes, mm, sounds like too much work. And he's right. It is a tremendous amount of work, but I thought I'd give it a shot anyway. Um, so anyway, thank you for l- allowing me to come today. Um, in 1989, the fall of 1989, I went on an outreach um, to a YWAM base in Belize with John. And on that trip, the Lord put a desire on that, I don't know if I've ever told you this, on that trip, the Lord put a desire in my heart to plant a church when I was with John in Belize. And so for the next year, I prayed and asked the Lord, is this what you want me to do? Because I wanted to be convinced that he, that he was into this thing. It wasn't just me and my own whimsical desires. I'd been paying a lot of attention to a uh, vineyard church planting model and, and knew how all that worked. And so... Um, I just prayed for a year, and I, so I'd go out in the evenings, walk around the neighborhood and pray and ask the Lord, do you want me to do this, and if, is now the time? And every time I would pray and ask that question, the Lord would say, I love you, Jeff. And I'm like, yeah, but that wasn't the question. I know you love me, but and so I'd go out every night, and the same thing would happen. Um, he would just say, I love you. I love you, Jeff. One night I was praying after about a year, and walking around town, and I asked him the same question that I always asked him. Is this what you want me to do, and is now the time? And he asked me a question. He said, well, what do you want to do? And I thought, well, that's interesting. Um, and I said, well, I, if I could do what my pastor, Roger Lucas, does, I'd do that. Because uh, Roger raised me up as a, um, a new Christian, and I just we would, Jody and I would spend time with him over at um, the pantry, and he he would just sit and talk to us, and he was such a good model and such a good leader, and and uh, so I said if I could do what he's going to do, and what he does, I'd love to do that. And he said, okay. So for those of you who think the call to ministry is this voice from on high that comes down, that wasn't the way it was for me at all. It was okay. You can do what your pastor does, and that's how it all started. In nine, and three months later, in February, on February 15th, 1991, we started Evangel in Union Hall in town. And um, I probably told this story 25 times over the years, at least. I've told our body most of, most of the time. I just keep reminding myself of this story. And um, it wasn't until about three years ago that I realized that, that the reason why he said, I love you, Jeff, for a year 
over and over and over again. The reason he said that was because I was going to need that for the next 30 years. I was going to need to know that he loved me. Because some of the things that you go through in ministry are difficult at a heart level. All the people that come and go over the years. I mean, it's just, it's devastating. It's, it's had a, taken a huge toll on my wife who has seen so many people come and go to the point where at the, at the last couple of years when some, a new person, new couple would come to the church or a new family would come, she goes, I don't want to meet them. I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. This, they'll just leave. And it's just a really hard thing. And that's just one of the hard things. And I'm not here to tell you about all the hard things that you experience in ministry. But that was a really difficult thing. And through all of it, I think the thing that sustained me, besides the grace to do it, that God gives, God gives you when you have a calling is, I just knew that he loved me. And that was a huge thing for me. Barna Research Group is a, is a group that does surveys of people, mostly in church organizations. And if you have the notes, you can read along with me. It's, this is a, a report that was put out um, in April of 2022. They did a survey after a year after the, uh, a year after the um, uh, pandemic started. And then a year later, they in March of 2022, just this last March, they repeated that same survey. And they asked the questions, have you ever considered quitting ministry in this past year? And so a, a year into the, the uh, pandemic, it was a certain number. And, and this, I'll just read this to you. As of March 2022, the percentage of pastors who have considered quitting full-time ministry within the past year sits at 42%. This is consistent with data from the fall of 2021 when Barna first reported a sharp increase in pastoral burnout. It confirms the growing number of pastors who considering resignation up, to, up 13 percent uh, percentage points from the 29 percent in January 2021. So in one year, it went from 29 to 42 percent. What reasons do pastors give when asked why they've uh, thought of stepping down for good? Stress, loneliness, and political division are three items that rise to the surface. And I could go on and on and tell you what it's been like the last two years pastoring a church in the midst of a pandemic or three years now. Uh, it's been a really difficult thing, but I'm not going to do that. Over, the ha over half of the pastors who have considered quitting full-time ministry, 56%, say the immense, immense stress of the job has factored into their thoughts on leaving. Beyond these general stressors, Two in five pastors, 43%, say, I feel lonely and isolated. While 38% well, name current political divisions as the reasons why they've considered stepping away. That was in April 27th, just a couple months ago. Pastor Elliot Gruden said this, I found the people best suited to be pastor's friends are fellow pastors. Most often, those in, different, in a different church. It's easy for pastors to look to other pastors and borrow the phrase C.S. Lewis says, is at the start of every friendship. You too? <laughs> pastors are usually willing to take the next step of vulnerability with another pastor and continue quoting Lewis. I thought I was the only one. And I don't know how many times I've had that conversation with people. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, Paul says this. He says, Imitate me as I imitate Christ, which is weird that he would say that, period, but 
the whole idea of invitation is mimic me, watch me and learn from me and, and listen to me and do what I do was Paul's uh, message to the church in Corinth. So <laughs> I don't know if Paul was arrogant or just like just wanted the attention. I don't think that was really what was going on. Most of Paul's writings you really challenge you to look deeper at them and, and under the surface. And I think that there's something really profound that he was saying here. Um, so when you look at all of Paul's writings, everything that he wrote, he came back to this one theme over and over and over again, and that was love. Has anybody ever watched Paul, Apostle of Christ, that movie? It's a phenomenal movie. Um, Chavisel, what is it? I forget what it's. Jim Chavisel plays Luke, and it's the story of the last couple of weeks of Paul's life when Luke went to him in prison and said, listen, these people are... These people who are standing with Jesus in Rome are really hurting right now, and they need to know what you think. They need to know what to do, Paul, and they want you to tell them because he had been such an inspiration to them. And so he asked them, uh, so Luke asked him to sit down and write to dictate um, whatever he wanted the people to know, whatever message he had for them. So it was really interesting because... um, (laughs) I've watched a lot of Jesus movies over the years, but this was different than any of them because Paul is in prison and he's talking. And the things that he's saying are like the lines out of Romans. What he would say and what Luke was writing down was what became Romans. And it, it just, it was, it was remarkable. And so, you know, the Christians were burning. They were using them as light posts in the city and they were being tortured. They were being um, they were uh, they were hiding away in the city of Rome, and they were wondering whether they should stay and leave. and And so Luke says to Paul, "They want to know what to do." Paul, tell them what to do. What do you want me to tell them? What do you want to say to them? And the one thing that he came back to over and over again, he says, "Love is the only way." That's all he would say to them. Love is the only way. Love is the only way. It says in Ephesians chapter three. It doesn't say. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 3. May you experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to understand fully. Then you'll be made complete with the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. And in Romans chapter 5, it says this. We can rejoice too when we run into troubles and trials. For we know that they will help um, develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope and salvation. And this hope will not lead us to disappoint, for we know dearly, uh, how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with love. I got to tell you just a quick story. This last Friday, I was at Monticello talking to a girl who was on the soccer team with my girls as they were growing up. And so I knew her um, from that. She just reconnected with me a couple months ago and just wanted to have coffee and which I do for a living. And, um, and she just said, uh, uh, I just, I'm struggling with all the things I've done in my life and I just don't feel worthy of any of this stuff. I don't feel worthy of just being, being loved, basically. And so I just got the chance to tell her about how Jesus loved her. And it's interesting because it's the first, first person I've talked to this way since I was no longer a pastor at Evangel. And so I didn't have a, I didn't have a sales job. I wasn't trying to get her to come to Evangel, which, I don't know, it's always in the back of your mind as a pastor. You're, you're always aware that 
they're going to think you're trying to get them to come to church. But I was free from that. And so anyway, the bottom line is I uh, got to lead her to Jesus. In front of Monticello in the middle of the day. And uh, she was kind of distracted because there was this cute guy that was working on the building. And, and I go, isn't this cool that you get to accept Jesus while that guy's watching you? <laughs> it was just the most fun. But it was all I did the whole time in laying out the gospel for her was tell her about how much Jesus loves her, how much the Father loves her. She had a father who was really mean to her, and she couldn't believe that God would love her that way. And it was just so much fun sharing the love that we're talking about right here with her, and she accepted Jesus, and that was really cool. I was, for the whole day, I was smiling and happy because of that one experience, and I hope it happens a lot in the future. I really love that part of being a believer, sharing Jesus with other people. Um, and then one more, Philippians chapter 2, Paul writes this. I just wanted you to see that this is, this is the thing that's really on Paul's heart. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any, fellow, any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy, this, this is Paul's heart, by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. So, it seems really likely to me that Paul was really aware of the power of God's love. His love, his love to redeem and restore and bring back wholeness and get rid of brokenness and, and bring a connection with God that we really needed because we were separated from Christ. And so I think that's the, what's at, the, at the, the foundation of imitate me as I imitate Christ. Paul wasn't just saying do what I do in a performance kind of way. He wasn't trying to get them to act like him. He was actually inviting them into relationship with him. I'm going to follow Christ for the rest of my life. Come with me and let's follow him together. And so that whole idea of fellowship that Paul was talking about was at the center of this whole idea of imitate me or follow me as I follow Christ or walk with me as I walk with Christ. So in February of 2021, three months after hearing that from the Lord, you can do that. Go for it. We started Evangel. And for, and uh, no, I mean, in February 2021, I celebrated 30 years of ministry at Evangel. Uh, one month later, as I was getting ready to go to sleep at night, the Lord announced to me, I have a new assignment for you. And I thought, oh, it's a new program for evangelism. Well, this happens all the time. Let's, this is a word from the Lord. This is what we're going to do next. And really quickly, I realized that was not what was happening. <laughs> I was about to lose my job. Uh, that's what really was going on. He was saying, I have a new assignment. And so the old assignment is over. And this is a brand new assignment. And I didn't really know what to think about that. And so I talked to uh, my wife the next day. And I said, this is what the Lord said. And I thought she was going to say, you are 67 years ago old. You have no business starting anything. You should stop doing stuff and not start new things. But she didn't. She looked at me, and you'd have to know Jody. She just looked at me and said, it's really cool to see you creative. I'm like, what? 
that's not, that's not what I thought you were going to say. So I met with the elders earlier that, or later that week at, at Stuffy's in the weekend. We, I just told them, this is the new assignment I feel like the Lord's given me. And, and I thought they would say, yeah, as soon as you find a pastor for this church, but you're not going anywhere until you take care of that deal. And they looked at me, all of them, and said, you've been doing this for 30 years. It makes perfect sense. You should do this. And I thought, oh, no, I'm about to lose my job. <laughs> and I was. And so uh, uh, there's a lot that went, went into this. But uh, in June of that year, last year, <laughs> last year, June of last year, I got up before the body of evangel and said, we're going to begin a transition. I'm going to transition out of the lead pastor role, and somebody else is going to be in the new pastor here. And it's all up to the elders. They're going to make the decision about how that happens. But I'm going to remain part of evangel because, like, where am I going to go? Renewal? I mean, like, I, 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 want, I love those people. That's my family. So um, in October of last year, they chose another pastor. Somebody had been in the at Evangel for the last 20 years, Kevin Salinas. So Kevin and Nina Salinas are now the lead pastors of Evangel. So in January 9th of 2022, this last January, we ordained Kevin and Nina, and their first act as the pastors of that church was to send me out, commission me to do City Serve. And so on January 9th this year, I started a new life. You know, so people are always saying to me, oh, I heard you retired. I heard you retired. And it's like, this is nothing like retirement. If this is retirement, retirement sucks because this is nothing like retirement. This is like starting a whole brand new thing. And it's been full of love and full of challenges and full of exciting things. And so I just want to share a little bit with you about what the, this new assignment is. Um, the Lord literally said, this is your assignment. That night, he said, I want you to walk with pastors and leaders as they walk with me. And I want you to call it City Serve. He gave me the name. That was so weird. He, he said, I want you to call it City Serve, and I want you to walk with pastors and leaders as they walk with God. So I've been working on that since last summer, developing a foundation for that, um, and realizing really quickly that... Um, it was easy to make it bigger and different and more than what he said to do. He said to walk with pastors and leaders as they walk with God. So the, the, one of the most difficult things for me is to just be honest about where the church is at, where pastors are at. You know, what was that number? 49%, 42% have considered leaving the ministry. You know that in the last three years, nobody has done that in Callis County. Nobody has left the ministry. We've lost Marv Kazmaier. He passed away in the middle of COVID. But we have nobody walk out of ministry in this, that I know of in this last three years. That's pretty remarkable. But the church is kind of in a mess. I don't know if you've noticed this, but there were probably twice as many people here three or four years ago than there are now. There's a lot of changes happened. A lot of people are watching from home. A lot of people are deciding that they just... Um, aren't as excited about being part of a church as they used to be. Which is a shock to me because when I was uh, 30 years, well, not 30 years, 40 years ago, when I first got saved at Shekinah, we just lived there. We just were always together. We would go down to do stuff at the, in Kathlamet at the game reserve, and they would just make an announcement, we're going to go down there tonight, and a bunch, like half the church would go. 
And we do all kinds of stuff together. And we were there Sunday morning and Wednesday evening, and I just hardly ever missed. And it wasn't because I, there was a heavy-handed leadership. It was because that was, the way, that was the way life worked back then. It's much different now. Trust me, it's much different now. Does anybody in the room want a pastor that's not pastoring right now? Does anybody want to do that? Because I don't want to discourage you because I think everything I've said has probably convinced you you shouldn't do it. Um, But you probably shouldn't do it unless God calls you. Because you need to know. You need to have that kind of confidence. So the Lord keeps saying, keep it simple. Keep, stay focused and keep it simple. I didn't call you to start a powerful ministry. I called you to walk with pastors and leaders as they walk with God, which is an interesting concept. Um, It says in Proverbs chapter 25, and this is a little different. This is in the Passion Translation, but I just love the way it says this. It says, uh, you'll recognize what it says. It's in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 25. It says, set your gaze on the path before you with fixed purpose, looking straight ahead. Ignore life's distractions Watch where you're going. Stick to the path of truth, and the road will be safe and smooth before you. Don't allow yourself to be sidetracked for even a moment or take that a detour that leads to darkness. And that really, is, that really is something that I hold on to right now. I want to stay focused on what he's called me to do. And I'll tell you a little bit more about what that is, how, how that works in just a sec. And one more, Proverbs chapter 16, verse Uh, 19 says this, within your heart, you can make plans for your future. You recognize this one? Within your heart, you can make plans for your future, but the Lord chooses the steps you take to get there. And the Lord is choosing the steps we take to go where he's called us to go. So I realized that it was going to be really important to develop a team for CityServe. It wasn't going to be something that one person was supposed to do. In fact, from the very beginning, I felt like the Lord said, I want you to create a model that can be reproduced anywhere. So we really have made an effort to create a model, a CityServe model that can be transplanted into any city. So if there's, if there's somebody in Vancouver that really has a heart for the city, they can take this model all the things that we're doing right now and just literally start doing it there or Fresno or Miami Beach, that would be a place to go. Um, So anyway, there's, that's, that's kind of the, the way, the way we've designed it is something that could be transplanted. And I also know that I'm not going to be the leader of CityServe for the next 10 years. That at some point, probably within about three or four years, it's going to be turned over to somebody else who's going to do it. So it wasn't something that was I had ownership over. It was something that was going to be started for somebody else to take forward. So it's been really interesting how the Lord's laid all this out in my heart. But it, a team was going to be important. Um, I realized that the Lord gave me a vision to start Evangel 30 years ago. He's also, and he, and he gave me all the grace to do that. And he's going to give the grace to do this too. But it's a, it's, a weird, it's a weird time to start a ministry. I tell Kevin this all the time. We, we meet once a week and just talk about ministry and how he's doing. And, and I'm like, I can't believe that you started, you took over a church in the middle of a pandemic. This is really weird, Kevin. And he goes, yeah, I'm so excited. He just, uh, he's having a blast. Um, but I realized that this new assignment, launching and leading city service, is going to open doors for not just me but for other people, and that we needed to keep a laser 
like focus on doing things together as a team. So um, I knew that there were going to be some things that were needed for CityServe. One of them was there was going to need to be some leaders that were around me. And so I looked around. I love this scripture in Proverbs that talks about um, uh, wise leaders are builders. They build cities. They build businesses. They build all kinds of stuff. So I looked around at the people I knew that built things. And I know some guys that have been in business. Patrick Pickett builds, uh, has been building his brother's business for the past 20 years. Um, and put together a board of these people who are builders. Sharnessa Sandin created a dance studio. She built that. Um, Carol, Carol Norman started an insurance company and now has a bunch of people that are working with her. She's a builder. Um, Matt Carnahan is also on the board. He's, he's building Love, Inc., or rebuilding it now after Larry's left. Uh, and then there's two churches in the city who have City Church in their name. One of them is New Hope City Church, and I asked, I asked uh, Scott to be on the board, and the other is this church, and I asked James to be on the board, so he's actually on the board of CityServe. Because... We wanted to build something. I want to build something. I don't want to create something. I want to build something that other people can, can work off of. So that group of leaders is really important to me. They really mean a lot to me. Oh, one more. Uh, Elizabeth Bricknell, her and her husband Paul, planted a church as well. Um, and so having people around me that have a heart to build is really important. Um, I needed technical support because I knew that a website was going to be a, an important part of what what served the pastors in the community. As we walked together, I wanted to be able to um, offer them some uh, strength and security and support, mostly support. So I needed to do that, and I needed to do it really quickly. And so Rafina, who's actually here, Rafina Bershev uh, works with me and does all the technical development of the, uh, of the website. And, and you'll see, uh, maybe, could you put that up, Brady, for a sec? You can see her handiwork. So this is our website, and um, if you you can just scroll down a little bit, I guess. And there's all kinds of things that we can use. So there's relationship building or personal counseling, conflict resolution, a learning community, a whole bunch of stuff that we're trying to use to strengthen and support pastors. Go ahead and go down. Um, as far as renewal goes, we want to build, if anybody is interested in building a local retreat center in town where you don't have to leave town, we want to do that. Sunday breaks like this, except that he's here. Um, <laughs> we're trying to give pastors a way to get a break twice a year so they can go to another church in town or just take a break and relax. Uh, the leadership prayer summit and sabbatical planning, which everybody who's taken a, you should probably take a sabbatical every seven years. I took one in 30 years. That was stupid. But I didn't have anybody like me to help me, to encourage me. Go ahead and go down one more section. As far as prayer goes, which is a big deal, we're setting up an intercessory director, directory of prayer people in the city who can start developing relationships with each other so they can start to connect with each other too. Intercessory prayer, um, if somebody has a special project like um, I heard that you guys are going to get air conditioning here soon. It's going to cost a lot of money. So you could, you could talk to CityServe, and I could talk to the prayer people that support CityServe, and we could pray for 
that all the money that it took to buy all those things or it's going to take would come in really quickly. So you can do that. If you, yeah. <laughs> and then prophetic ministry. A lot of churches don't have any prophetic ministry, and so we have some people that will help support that. So anyway, um, so that whole, that whole thing, <laughs> I thought it was going to be a way, a place for pastors to go to plug into what's going on with CityServe. Right now I realize it's just a way to tell me what I'm supposed to be doing. But it works really well. And so if you go to media for a sec, I've been doing these CityServe leadership podcasts for the past five months, six months. And so what we're doing is we're, I'm doing interviews. Go ahead and scroll down a little bit further. With pastors in the city from different churches. And this is a way for them to get to know each other. So they can know who the other pastors are in the city. And there's 20 of them right now. Well, there's 19 pastors and one mayor of the city. But if you go down here, you can see that uh, there's Mayor Walls, Bishop Eddie Crenshaw from the House of Prayer, Chuck Tilton. Keep going, keep going. Al Frederick, Matt Carnahan, Leo Pisarczyk, Larry Russell. I think we're getting closer. Paul Bricknell, Scott Olin. And James Dieter. I'm only telling you this because he will never tell you that it's here. So the whole idea is spend 15 minutes with the pastor and talk about what they're most excited about. So you can go on the website and you can find out what James is most excited about, which is probably you. Um, so technical support is a really big deal. Organizational support is important too. And that's just beginning to grow. Um, if, you, if any of you want to be involved in CityServe, just let me know. Uh, we're going to start this new thing called City Serve Leadership Learning Community, which is like way too long. I have to figure out some catchy little phrase to call it. But we're going to get together spiritual, civic, and business leaders uh, five times in the fall every two weeks. And then I'll also do it in the spring. And we're going to uh, have a speaker come in and give a presentation for 30 minutes. Then we're going to break into groups and talk about it, discuss about it for 45 minutes. One of the leaders that's going to come in is the sheriff, or not sheriff, the police chief from Kelso. Dar's going to come, and he's going to talk about the impact of the, uh, the pandemic on police work over the last three or four years. And then we're going to talk about it, and then we're going to spend the last 15 minutes, minutes trying to figure out how to implement what we've talked about into the city, the spiritual, business, and civic leaders together. And it's going to happen in this room. This is where we're going to do it here in the fall, and um, so I'm really excited about that, but we're going to need about four or five people that can help put that, those events on, and so you can be part of organizational support, prayer support's really important, prophetic support is really important, because um, what we declare, we will see manifest, and I think just saying, this is the assignment to do city serve, that declaration of the city has already caused some things to be put into motion, and um, so I think we're going to need that bold, insightful, and faithful prophetic promises to accomplish what, what, what God's called us to do at CityServe. And then lastly, financial support. Now, this is really weird because I'm in a church, but I'm telling you, um, there's no way that CityServe is going to make it without congregational support. And I mean, like, regular support from congregations. And I don't, I'm not like... I used to be worried about talking about money. I don't even care anymore because I don't have anything. Uh, I, uh, but unless the churches are behind this 
And the whole idea, and right now there are five churches that support CityServe. The goal for, my goal for the end of the year is to have 12 churches that support CityServe. Unless the city, unless the churches want this to happen, I don't think it's even worth doing. Because the congregations in the city are who we're going to serve. We're serving the pastors. And by the way, it's not just the city, but it's CityServe of Calais County. So I have a tremendous amount of work getting to know the pastors in Castle Rock and Woodland and Kalama. i got a lot of work ahead of me in developing those relationships, which I really don't have right now. But unless congregations support it, it's not going to... And I'm really, I'm really like, I don't pretend anything. I mean, like, people used to come into the city, and they'd meet with the leaders, and I was one of those leaders, and so they would say, oh, this is an amazing city. There's so much unity here, and I'm like, huh? I'm very realistic about where we are at as the church. I think the church is really in a weak place right now. That's good, though, because we're really primed for some really cool stuff to happen. I think we're set up for a move of God. In, our, in the midst of our churches, but also in the community. So I'm really excited about it. But I think we're in kind of a weak position right now. The, the pandemic and all the political stuff and the social justice issues have really um, done a number on the churches and the people in churches. It's been really hard. So anyway, um, congregational support's important. Individual monthly support is important. I actually went to my five children and I said, you know, I have been pastoring Evangel for a long time. You guys have never been, I've never talked to you about supporting that, but I'm telling you right now, I want you to support CityServe. So right now, my kids are supporting CityServe because I want them to be part of my future. I, I want them to be part of where things are going. So I don't, I don't make any bones about it. Um, it's important. And then one-time giving makes a room for the, uh, the Holy Spirit to move on people's hearts, and I've had people do that where they've just said, God just told me I'm supposed to give you this amount of money. So I think it's cool. I think the financial support's just as important as all the rest of it. It's not more important than any of it. I think actually leadership is the most important thing. Having people around me who say, let's go build something together. Let's do something together. And then the last word is this. Uh, the goal of city service is not to fix a problem. There's nothing really broken that needs to be fixed. Even in pastors' life, they're not really broken. They're just tired. They're discouraged, they're confused, and they just need to sit down and have coffee and talk about it. That's a big part of doing this ministry is just being there with guys. And I've had some amazing conversations in the last five months that I can't talk about with anybody because they're private conversations about the deep wounds and hurts that guys have been through and how they're, how they're recovering slowly from that, but they're scared about what the future holds and they're scared about where the church is going and they don't know how they're going to handle what's ahead because they don't know what's ahead. Everything's changing. But even saying that, there's not a problem to be fixed. But I think what needs to be restored is relationship. We need relationship with each other. The pastors need relationship with each other. They need to know what to do, how to go forward, and how to go forward together. I think that a lot of things will come out of that. But our relationships have really been hijacked by, the, by things like competition and insecurity. Um, FYI, pastors are some of the most insecure people you'll ever meet in your life. No offense, James. I mean, like, but they're always worried about what you think. They're always worried about how you feel. They're always worried about whether they're doing a good enough job. Their boss is God, seriously. I mean, like, 
you don't want to screw this one up, you know. It's really important that we do the thing that God's called us to do, and they need friends that can walk alongside them. So if you see me at one of the coffee shops sitting with a guy who looks scared to death, that's probably a pastor. Um, And we're talking about some things that are really important to him. And I think this is the dream job for me. I love it. I am so excited about this. I'm excited about what I'm doing. I'm excited about tomorrow. I'm excited excited about being here today. And um, I think CityServe, like, seriously. A month after pastoring for 30 years, he says, I'm going to, I'm firing you and giving you a new job. Like, who does that except a God who's very aware of what's going on in the pandemic and wants to help? pastors and leaders move forward together. I think that's what he's doing. So, James, come on up. Thank you so much. For Thanks, Jeff. Um, we're going to skip our discussion time today and just move right to communion. So if the worshiping can come up and uh, we'll uh, just prepare ourselves to come to the Lord's table together. Um, I, uh, Jeff remarked that his elders said to him, well, this is, this is what you've been doing for 30 years. And in many ways, that's, that's a big part of who Jeff has been as a pastor in our community. He's been someone who's always willing to reach out and walk with others and someone who sees the church as one church and, and not as a bunch of competing entities. And, and, um, I think it's just a credit to who God's made you to be. And this makes a lot of sense that, you would take on even a more formal role in our community as being someone who encourages us to be together. Uh, Jesus was praying for his disciples, and this was on the night he was betrayed, and he's praying for his disciples, and then he says in John chapter 17, verse 20, he says, my prayer is not just for them, not just for the disciples sitting there around the table, but I'm also praying for those who will believe in me through their message. That would be us. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. The standard for unity in the church is the triune God of heaven. That we would be one just as the Father is one with the Son and the Son is one with the Father. Jesus says, just as I, you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us together so the world may see that you have sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so they may be brought to complete unity, that the world will know that you sent me and you have loved them even as you have loved me. Sometimes when we talk about unity in the church, we think of it as like a nice thing that we should do if we have time to get to it with all the other things that we're doing as a church. I really think that this is part of who God calls his people to be. People who are unified, who are together. People who are one. Just like the Father in heaven is one with the Son, is one with the Holy Spirit. Uh, We're meant to embody that. And um, the thing that makes all of that possible, the thing that empowers us to be one is Christ's sacrifice. One body that was broken for many. His blood poured out. The sacrifice of one, the life of one given to save and redeem the lives of many. And so as we come to the table today, um, we just want to be mindful of the fact that we are receiving the body of Christ and the blood of Christ just like 
Christians are all over the world on Sunday morning. Just like Christians are all over the world, the ones that are worshiping on other days of the week. Uh, This is the thing that brings us together. And this is the thing that makes us one. And so let's pray. Holy Spirit, we just, we invite you to, to be here with us today and to help us to become more unified. To help us become more one. We thank you for the calling that you have put on uh, Jeff's life, and uh, we thank you for the role that we have to play in seeing that oneness happen in our own community. And so, um, as we would turn to you today and worship one more time, and as we would receive your body and your blood, uh, we ask that you would make us one. Make us one with each other and with the entire family of God. In Jesus' name, amen.